Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather each Sunday morning at 10.30 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church as Pastor Joel continues his study in the book of Genesis. We're in chapter 12 with a message entitled, The Abrahamic Covenant. And I would like to begin today by reading uh, from Genesis 12. So if you have your Bibles, you can uh, come there, Genesis 12. Uh, It's on page 8 in your pew Bibles. And if you wouldn't mind, if you could stand as we read God's Word, we're going to read the first three verses. Genesis 12, uh, verse 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and to him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let's stop right there and pray once again. Lord, as we approach your word, Uh, I pray that you would be alive and active and speaking through your spirit to each one of us. These words written so long ago to a specific individual, but have application and meaning and and motivation for each of us here this morning. So as we spend the next few moments uh, meditating on your word, contemplating what it is, it's saying, Lord, would you open our eyes so that we could see? Would we, would we hear you calling us to that next step of faith? And Lord, would we have uh, soft hearts so that we would be able to respond to you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat now. God calls Abraham here. This is a focus. This is one of the main uh, sections in the book of Genesis that turns a corner. God calls a man named Abram and said, uh, in you and your family, I'm going to bring blessing to the, to the world. And as we'll see over the, uh, the chapter today, Abram's a pretty messed up guy. And, and, and we'll, we'll see that. Now, before we get to the text, I actually want to share with you why this passage is so special uh, to me. Right about the same time that Scott was writing that prayer uh, for where he was going, we were actually in training to go as missionaries, and we were at a conference And we read these verses and thinking about leaving our family and leaving everything to go over to a foreign country where we didn't really, I mean, we'd been there, but we didn't really know. And we were stepping out in faith. We actually memorized uh, these three verses. And we memorized them with motions that helped us go along, right? So, so, and I even did it with an accent, and I don't know why, but now that I've memorized it in an accent, I have an accent in my head. Have you ever done that? Okay, anyway, so, so the Lord said to Abram, because that's how the Lord speaks in Genesis. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house, those three things, to a land that I will show you, and I will bless you. I'll make you, I'll make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, your name great, and you will be a blessing. And then we did this. And... Uh, 
and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And through you, all the, all the world will be blessed. Now, I don't know how, uh, how good that is, the blessing of like a fairy or the cursing of the witch, like, but it helps us remember those things. And why this was so important to me in memorizing that 20-some years ago, why that's so important to me is because uh, at 24 years old, I did not have a lot to offer the Lord. And if the Lord would have scanned over the earth and gone, who will be the best guy to represent me? He would have not chosen me. And yet he did. Uh, he chose me when I look back and go, well, I was, I was a seminary dropout. I had Bible. I had a business degree. My undergrad's business, so I didn't really even know that much Bible. Uh, I didn't have any kind of pedigree. Uh, I, I, I wasn't that great. I mean, I was, I was 24. And no offense, Caleb, at 24, when you're, when you're that, you're way, far, you're way far ahead of me. But when I was 24, I look back now and go, why in the world would the Lord call me? I mean, did he mess up? Maybe I didn't hear him right. But, but memorizing this scripture, it shows us that just like God called me, not because of what, how good I was or, or anything, uh, God called Abram in just the same way. He called this immature, imperfect, growing person to be his representative. We were going to see today in the story of Abraham that God calls broken people in simple obedience to bring about blessing to the world. God calls broken people in simple obedience to bring about blessing to the world. Now, you might be sitting in your pew going, yeah, that's, that's good for you. I mean, I'm, you're a pastor now. I could never. I mean, I didn't even grow up in the church. God wouldn't call me. I mean, if you knew the thoughts that I had this week, you'd know God wouldn't call me. If you know my, my history, my relationships, if you knew who I was, you knew God wouldn't call me. Well, this actually brings us back to our text today, because we're going to see God calls this broken man. And we're going to look at three aspects of the, of the person in Abraham and, and how, who God is calling to use. And then we'll also see the three characteristics of the God who is calling them. And at the end, maybe we'll see that maybe, just maybe, God's calling you this morning too. Well, here's the first one. First aspect of the people God calls. If you're writing notes, write this down. God calls people with nothing to offer. God calls people with nothing to offer. I actually want to go back up and from chapter 12 to chapter 11 as we get this kind of condensed uh, family history of, of Abram, starting in verse 27. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Ishka. Now, Sarai was barren. She had no child. Verse 31. Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. 
The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Let's stop right there. If you've been following along, you'll notice that in verse 27, we come to a new section in Genesis. Uh, in Hebrew, that word toledot, these are the generations of. So, so that's why I wanted to go back and pick it up, because I think it's important as we come into uh, our story today. Uh, we get this family, um, family like, uh, list or family description of, of Terah. Terah has three sons, and, and we trace this family tree, and it's a, it's a messed up family tree, uh, probably just like yours. Uh, Haran uh, is a son of uh, Terah, and he, ha he it tells us he has a, a son named Lot, and he also has two daughters it will tell us uh, later on as well. So we know that Haran is a son of uh, Terah, but then he dies. So we don't even get much of a description about him other than he has three sons. We don't know who his wife is or if she, uh, if she died, or we have no idea uh, about that. But then we also see that Terah has two uh, other sons, Abram and Nahor, and it tells us, oh, and they took wives. And the name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And just to let you know, in this condensed little uh, family history, Sarai couldn't have kids. She was barren. There, there was no, no kids for her. So then it appears, I don't know uh, what happens here, we have to like... Um, given the information that we're given, it appears that Abram then takes Lot as almost like his son because we see that he can't have kids. In a little bit, we're going to see that Abram is 75 years old at this time, and his wife is uh, 10 years younger than him, so she would be 65 years old. And maybe at that time in the world, uh, 75 and 65 is not too old to have kids, maybe, but you're, you're pushing it. I mean, even at, even at that, that time, like you're, you're getting maybe too old to have kids, but even more than that, just think of the amount of disappointments and anger and frustration that they've lived through. For, for 40 years, every month, Sarah has been disappointed, feeling the shame, like, why can't I have kids, Lord? Why don't you give me kids? There, there's, is there any hope? And that verse 30, that line is just, just a punch in the gut. Now, Sarai was barren. She had no kids. So, so they end up taking Lot with them. And Terah, and they go, and it says they're going to go for the land of, of Canaan. Uh, but as they get there, they do this long journey, and they must have been tired, or, or something happens, and they end up settling in the land of Haran. They don't even finish the trip. So this backdrop is important as this man, Abram, who's God's going to call. First, we're going to see Abram, has got, he's got nothing to offer God in this deal. He's got no child. He's got no hope for the future. He can't make a child happen. It's all up to the Lord. Uh, he's on his way to, to Canaan, and he ends up not even getting the whole way there. He can't even accomplish the simple task that he was going to go to. He's got no accomplishments, no pedigree. Abram's got nothing. He's got nothing to give to the Lord as he calls him. Well, this shows us who the God is that's calling. This shows us that God is gracious in his calling to us. He doesn't call you because of your impressive resume, your experience, your bank account, your history, the things you've done. The only reason God calls is out of pure grace. And God's grace then removes 
our butts. Uh, you know, I, I'd go, but I, I'd obey, but I don't have any kids. You know, I don't know enough. I, I've never been to seminary like you. I haven't grown up in the church. I, I'm too young. I'm too old. I've been a failure in the past. I'm too busy. But God doesn't call you based on any of those things. He calls you simply based on his grace. To offer you grace and for you to be a blessing through that. God calls people who have nothing to offer. Here's point number two. Write this down if you're taking notes. God called people who are a work in progress. God calls people who are a work in progress. Uh, let's read this next section of Genesis 12. We see that Abram's got nothing to offer the Lord, and yet the Lord chooses and calls him in verse uh, 1 here. Now, Ab now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. Can you hear it? Bless those who bless. And I will curse those who curse you. No. And I will dishonor those. A different translation I memorize it in. Uh, I will dishonor or treat as accursed those who cursed you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered, and, and, the, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Now when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to a place at Shechem, to the Oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And if you remember who the Canaanites were, it kind of links us back to the story. Uh, verse 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, to your seed, to your heritage, your, the one that's going to come from your loins, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country, or literally the mountains, of the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going towards the Negev. Let's stop right there again. We're going to see that God calls people that are work in progress. He, he tells Abram, who's got nothing to offer him, I want you to go. I want you to step out from what you know, what you're comfortable with, and I want you to leave. And I want you to go to this land that you were, you were heading to before, but it is an unknown land. You couldn't Google it. Uh, you couldn't like plan trip it to see what are the people like. Is there a gas station on the way? What kind of restaurants will be there? He didn't know. He's just leaving, not knowing everything. He was supposed to leave it all behind. Leave your country, your land, your kindred, your father's house. Leave all that be behind. And now look how Abram responds in verse 4. He does two things. Number one, Abram went. Simple obedience. Uh, he, he didn't go because he had, all, had it all figured out yet. He didn't go because like, oh yeah, now I'm ready to go. Uh, now is the time that the uh, Lord's going to use me because I've matured enough and I'm really ready. You know, I can really see the Lord how he can use me now. He, he just says, it simply says, Abram went. Simple obedience. But number two, Abram takes Lot. 
said, leave your country, your kinsmen, your father's household. And, and what do we see? He brings Lot with him, his kinsmen. Uh, God was asking him to step out and just trust me, have faith in the next step. Uh, the offspring, your seed, the one that's going to come from you, I'm going to give this land to. But he has no, no children yet, so he takes Lot as almost this just in case. Right? A fallback plan. It's not that Lot was like, you don't think of him as like this little child that uh, he's going to leave him and he's just going to be so sad and alone. No, Lot's a full-grown man. But he brings him so that the blessing will, just in case, in, in case God's promise really doesn't come true, in case I'm too weak for what God has said, in case we're too broken that God actually won't give us a child, uh, let's just bring Lot, just in, just in case. So we see this man who simply has faith to go. He steps out. But he's a work in progress. And, and this one decision to bring Lot with him is actually going to end up being very messy, which we'll see next week and the weeks after that too. So this shows us that God is patient in his calling to us. God is patient in his calling. It's not, he doesn't call you because you have it all figured out. He calls you to mature you along the way. He doesn't call Abram because he's mature. He knows that Abram's a work in progress. And even when he brings Lot, you notice God's patience with him. He doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't reject him and say, oh, you didn't obey what I had asked you to do, so now it's over, forget it, you messed up, I don't want anything to do with you. No, God's patient with him. Here's a guiding principle. God doesn't call you to obey once you're mature. He doesn't call you once you've got it figured out. Once you cleaned yourself up and now you're ready, is God going to call you? No, God calls you to obey to mature you. God doesn't call you to obey once you're mature. He calls you to obey to mature you. God's call is to a people who are a work in progress. And he's patient and kind. Well, this should be both a comfort and a, and a challenge. You might get one thing right, <laughs> Abram went, and ten things wrong, but, but his call is still for you to step out. And that kind of exposes some of those insecurities or doubts and as he works on you and works in your, your heart. But it's not, it's not because you are strong enough to do it. It's because he is faithful to the end. He is patient and kind. And he asks you to simply, hey, would you, would you come with me? Would, would you step out in faith? Well, Abram steps out. It's a simple obedience. He ends up building an altar at a tree, which is interesting. Uh, and then he goes to a mountain and builds another altar. And then he, it's there that he's calling on the name of the Lord. And, and if you've been with us through this series, you just see, boy, uh, all those themes are being picked up uh, as Abram now is like replaying these scenes uh, of Adam and, and Noah He's a priest who's calling on the name of the Lord. Maybe we'll get it right this time, right? Well, just like Adam and Noah, Abram, he falls into sin as well. So this is the third, third thing. Finally, we're going to see that God calls people who are full of doubts and fears. God calls people who are full of doubts and fears. 
Now, as I read this last section, I want you to watch for patterns of deception and sin. They see something is good, and they end up taking it, and cursings and blessings. It's all wrapped up in this little story. Starting in verse 10. Now, there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to, to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a, a woman beautiful in appearance. You look really good. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Uh, say you're my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, and the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful, when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt with Abram. Or he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. Verse 17, But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her from my, from my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him. And they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. We'll stop right there. Can, can you, men, let me just ask you for a second. Can you imagine doing this? Oh, my goodness. I would be killed. <laughs> Can you, can you just imagine, uh, yeah, I don't want to get killed, so here's, here's, my, here's my wife. And not only that, he's just told him, hey, it's through your seed that I'm going to give you all this land. There's this heritage through the one the child that's coming from you. And he goes, uh, we can't have kids. Well, just have here, have my wife. You're jeopardizing the seed. Can you imagine the kind of relationship you're having with your wife at that point? And, and, and you get the picture and this whole thing and how it describes it. You get this picture that Abram is acting just like the snake in the garden. He's being totally deceptive. We, we find out later that Sarah actually is his wife or is his sister. He, she is the daughter of Terah, but only by a different mother. So it's a half-sister. So he's not really lying, right? It's like a, just like a half-truth. I mean, uh, he's presenting the truth in a way that may make him look good. He's being deceptive and sneaky like this snake. And then the Egyptians, well, they see that she's beautiful. She's just good of appearance. And they take her into Pharaoh's house, and, and Abram gets blessed. He's given, like, all this stuff. And we think, boy, that's the good life. But well, we're actually going to see that all that stuff is going to cause lots of problems as well. Well, Abram gets blessed in this exchange. And, and who, gets, who gets the cursing? Who gets the plague? Well, Pharaoh. Uh, a plague's on Pharaoh. Should we be thinking of another story that's coming up? Well, well Pharaoh, in, in this scene, he actually responds with this question that echoes through all generations. He says, what is this that you have done? We've heard someone else ask that question earlier on. When God was in the garden with Adam and Eve, God asked them, what is this that you have done? Pharaoh is like, it's almost like a, a twist of things. He, he's like reflecting God in this story. 
Pharaoh himself takes the curse for the sin and unfaithfulness of Abram and responds with a blessing. He, he actually doesn't take all that stuff back from Abram. He gives his wife back and sends him away. Well, this shows us that the God that's calling Abram and calling you and me is merciful in his calling. You know, we all deserve punishment. We all deserve death. But God in Jesus blesses those who repent and find their faith in Jesus. As God calls the broken, the full of doubts, the full of fears, and offers blessings to them in return. And actually use you and me to be a blessing to other people. How in the world can that be? Well, because God is gracious. He is patient. He is merciful and kind. He calls those people who have nothing to offer, who are a complete wreck, who have a family tree that looks more messed up than a whatever those trees in Hawaii are called, with all the things. It's just so messed up tree. They got nothing to offer. They're full of doubts and fears. They don't have a lot of knowledge. And he's calling them. He's calling you to step out. Not, not because you have it all together. And he's not calling you to get cleaned up and then come see me. Once you got it all figured out and put together, then come uh, talk to me. See, a Abram's origin story is our origin story too. He calls him to respond to simple obedience, a work in progress. Step away from what he knows, what he holds, what he counts as uh, comfortable and secure, and, and just step out in simple obedience. And so as we come to the end of the message, I actually want to ask you that. What, what's the Lord calling you to this morning? If you've actually never taken that first step of, of faith in Jesus, and you're, and you're here this morning going, yeah, but you're all good people. You don't know how, you don't know me. If you knew me, then you would know God's not calling you. I'm telling you, God is calling you. He's calling the broken, those who have nothing to offer. He's, he's calling you not to get it all figured out and come to him. He's calling you in his patience and kindness and grace and goodness to just come. To do it today. That Jesus took the curse, the punishment for, for our sin, and, and in exchange offers this life, this forgiveness, this blessing. And as you step out, he, he's going to say, as you step in obedience, I will mature you. It's a free gift. And not only that, he's like, as you step out, you're going to be a blessing to other people. Can you imagine giving your life to Jesus at 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, and what that would mean for your generations of kids after, after you. That step of faith today and what the blessing that will be to all those around you. It's a free gift from Jesus. Now, maybe most of you have accepted the Lord and you're on this journey of, of faith, but you get so busy, don't you? And the Lord's like, uh, and through the Holy Spirit's kind of whispering something, you know, I really want you to do this. He's tugging on your heart. He's whispering, come on, would you just step out? Would you, would, you, would you do it? And maybe you're settled in. You're like, boy, I've lived a long time Christian life. I've got this, these rituals, and I'm, I feel pretty safe here. I've settled in Haran, and God's like, that's not really where I want you. 
I want you to continue to live by faith. You're never too old to live by faith. And it's scary, and sometimes even our bones get a little old like me in the morning with my ankle. Like, you have to, like, stretch them out. And then, I know all you old people are laughing at me, but my ankle gets... And I think by faith, we've got to do the same thing, to, to, to continue walking. Because the Lord is not done calling. He's not done calling you. He's not done calling me. So maybe you need to um, talk to somebody. Uh, maybe you have a neighbor that the Lord's like, you just need to invite him over for dinner. Just do it. Just do it. And you need to step out in faith. Maybe you need to serve somewhere. Maybe you need uh, to teach the little sprouts downstairs, and you're like, I don't know anything of the Bible. And God's go, that's okay. You'll grow. Well, he's calling all of us. Would you step out? God's calling you. Are you listening? Will you trust and will you obey? Let me pray and invite the worship team to come back up. Lord, thank you for your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your patience to all of us. And I know as we come into a room like this, there are people that look around and go, well, they, they are really good. They're cleaned up really well. I can see why the Lord would use them. But how in the world would the Lord ever use me? And Lord, I pray that you would use through your spirit, just convince them that you're not asking them to be perfect. You're asking them to be uh, repentant and take a step of faith and just step out from what they know to follow and listen after you. And Lord, would you continue uh, work in all of us till the end because you are faithful, not because we are. And Lord, would we give you glory and honor uh, today and even this week as you call each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church. Church.